0: says we're live. What do you think? <laughs> I we ways. are. We got to
1: be. be. No shot. That's all right. That's a, lot about of, the a lot of people. A lot of people tuning in right now. We got twenty here in a live stream. Are you seeing anything on Facebook yet? Uh, this is how we start off every single episode, Tyler, with the same thirty seconds of our live. I don't know. Let me mm-hmm. check. It always eventually works out. All the time. Eighty percent of the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: not worried about
1: it. Put that thing down. Uh, I was here and, we're
0: and it's, um, Sorry, Hey guys, I'm sure. Captain Keith. So probably knew that. <laughs> it's Captain Nick, right over here, yeah. just fresh back from Saint Lucia on a little honeymoon getaway with his
1: new bride. So what's it's been what a year now? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, you're yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean we, we thought that the COVID restrictions would be lifted at this point, but they're um they're not. So whatever. So, back to the grind, back to reality. Back here. to the grind. But no, it's gonna be back. It's gonna see different places. And um actually before we get going, um we can talk Mercury Yamaha as much as you want, but um we don't want to talk about Yamaha I everybody <laughs> it's a common misconception that it's all Hondas and Yamaha's down in the islands in St. Lucia. It was 90% Mercury's. I'm telling you, it was all E6 225s, all, all fixes, 350s. And those guys down there are putting four, five, six thousand 6,000 hours on their end all the tour and stuff. Nice. It, it was almost exclusive Mercury down there. And I mean, shoot, we were almost in South America.
0: So. And by the way, the reason we're talking about Mercury is we got Tyler Merrill with us here. It's the other guy on the screen there. Hi, guys. From Mercury. He's the uh, category manager of steering and controls for Mercury Marine. And uh, thanks for joining us, Tyler. Yeah, anytime. So steering and controls. So what's going on with that? I know there's been a few breakthroughs and stuff like that, especially with uh, the pontoon boat uh, aspect of things, which is hugely popular throughout the country.
2: Yeah, so... You know, joystick is an area where there's been a lot of innovation and activity for the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years now, I would say, uh, and it hasn't slowed at all. So joystick falls under what we consider the steering category, so that is something that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, and we have had a couple of really recent uh, rather large announcements in that area um, that you were referring to there. Uh, the first one was actually in uh, in Minneapolis back in January. Uh, our joystick piloting for outboards uh, or JPO for short, as we call it, for single engine pontoons, um, which you know most joystick systems um, until now have really been limited to multi-engine boats since you have to have that differential thrust in order to manipulate the boat uh, in any way that you move the joystick. So we went and designed a couple of really purpose-built deployable thrusters specific for pontoon uh installs so that you'd be able to have some of those joystick abilities on a single engine pontoon boat given that you know obviously the vast majority of pontoons are single outboard boats so uh definitely excited to be able to offer those sorts of abilities to to that market i know you've got a lot of uh, a lot of new boaters these days people buying their first boat or maybe maybe upgrading from a smaller boat and uh, pontoon is, is definitely a pretty popular category with that crew of people. So um, should be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good item for us out in the market. Yeah. I mean,
0: not even just the freshwater market. I mean, pontoon boats, we see them all the time, you know, up and down the intercoastal here, I, you know, even offshore. Nick and I are fishing and, you know, you're sitting there all of a sudden. You see, the pontoon boat go racing by you 20 miles offshore. You know, I mean, right. you guys are getting it. You know,
1: I mean, you're you're seeing pontoons with 2,400 hours on the back of them nowadays too. Mm-hmm. So they're not not your granddaddy's yeah. pontoon putting around.
2: Exactly. Yeah, you pontoons know. are not what they were 10 or 20 or or more years ago. Even even in the last 10 years, the pontoon category has just completely transformed. From, you know, a 90 horse being a lot to now, like you said, all the way up to multiple, you know, 400s. There's even going to be a couple couple pontoons out there with our V12 600 on them now. So it's just a completely different world in that category than it was even just a few years ago, really.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, like we're going out on my grandparents' boat, right? We are going vacation up in northern Indiana, out on the lake, and the pontoon boat was literally a couple tubes with some plywood screwed to it. You took the lawn chairs out of the yard, took them down, and set them and <laughs> you could drive around. You were, you know, you're a big dog on the lake, <laughs> right? A lot of yeah, things. They're... But I hope you all picked up on what he said. there. single engine outboards. Yep, that can now control over with a joystick. Right. Outboards. Yeah, that's outboards. really that's really the biggest
2: deal of it because we've never been able to do something like this with single engine uh, on an outboard, single outboard powered boat. So. That's really, really the biggest thing is just being able to have, you know, the ability to move the boat. However you move that joystick, twisting it or sideways or any different way, 360 degrees that you can think of, um, you can now move that boat in that manner on a single outboard pontoon.
0: Okay,
2: so how do you do it? How do you do it? So, of course, the, course the, the two main things that really allow that, again, is those deployable thrusters. So we've got one at the bow, one at the stern. Um, the thrusters themselves do not steer, uh, once they're in the water, they're providing your port and starboard lateral thrust. Uh, and then of course we have the engine tied in for the forward and reverse thrust. So anything that's, you know, a combination move or, or, you know, moving diagonally or anything like that, it's going to be, the system is going to be blending those two or really three, uh, thrust sources, the bow thruster, stern thruster and the engine, uh, it's going to blend all those together to provide the right combination of thrust in the right directions uh, to move the boat. However, it is that the, uh, the driver is trying to move the boat.
0: That's that's cool. I mean, the joystick piloting and stuff like that has just changed. You know, it's opened the doors for everybody. You don't have that stress. Right. I mean, it used to be, you know, especially me. I mean, I've been doing this for all my life. Right. And training people. And the anxiety factor is at the end of the day, coming back and having to hit the dock or maybe you want to go to a restaurant or something. But now if it's just as easy as, you know, pushing the joystick sideways and the boat slide right in and slips right next to somebody. I mean, it's, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, so one, of the nice, one of the um, nice
2: things about it too is, you know, maybe the captain of the boat or the owner of the boat is, you know, super familiar with driving the boat, hopefully, and maybe doesn't feel like they need that. But one of the nice things is, it's really easy now to have anybody on the boat step into the seat and help you out if you're, you know, doing whatever else it is on the boat. Someone else can jump into the driver's seat and immediately, intuitively know what to do uh, to move that boat.
1: Oh, man. I, I remember when I started as a docking and just shuffling boots around all over the place. I'd say, man, I'm too cool for a joystick. Let me tell you what, I get on the boat nowadays. It's the first thing I reach for. I mean, I know how to operate a boat without it, but there, there's a couple things that Mercury does better than anybody on the market. And as they are the clear industry leader, and in my opinion, two things aren't even debatable. One, it's propellers, we'll get to that in a little bit. Two, it's going to be the joystick technology. I mean, there are other joystick systems out there. There are aftermarket joystick systems, but the JPO, the JPO from Mercury, I think is one, the most user-friendly autopilot on a planet. Two, the most easy-to-learn joystick without any delays or anything. And three, by far, has the best skyhook system as well for keeping you in place when you're waiting for a dock space or whatever it is, or if you're just hanging out, nobody's in the water. Um, you know, that's really one of the things that Mercury always has been and continues be, to be a step or two ahead of everybody else, No, no matter no matter what advancements are made in technology, so... I'm mean, I'm pretty sure that's uh, non-debatable, but I'm sure people will debate me in the comments. So, um, that that's my two cents on that.
0: So you've got to have the digital shift, digital throttles and controls for this to work. Can you retrofit boats? Can you go in after and and put this on somebody's boat?
2: So so you're correct. Uh, this will be compatible with anything digital throttle and shift, which we have oh, at yeah. 175 horsepower and up, so up to now 600 horsepower for outboards. Um, at this time, we're sticking with uh, new builds on the OEM uh, side through the OEM channel only. That's kind of the, the position we've taken on all of our joystick stuff uh, since day one. That will change at some point, um, hopefully not too far into the future. Um, but as for now, just like we always have been uh, up till this point, it, it is through the OEM channel only. And and part of that is, um, as you guys were mentioning, just because it is such a refined a specific system to each boat. Um, it just makes it a little bit difficult from a retrofit standpoint, but we are definitely uh, putting a lot of focus on making it something that is retrofitable. Because you know that's really one of the main, uh, most common conversations and questions that we get every year, specifically in the you know Miami show and Lauderdale and all those shows down in Florida. Is hey, I've got this boat that's two, three, four years old. I'd really like to have a joystick on it. Um, So that comes up all the time and it's got a lot of focus on it. And it is something that we're definitely looking at uh, making possible in the very near future to be able to retrofit.
0: So I've seen some of the videos and stuff on it. I'm sure that probably somebody behind the scenes here and maybe, you know, later on as this program goes on, put a link in there maybe to that uh, either somebody on the Marine side or Mercury side, you know, link in there to that video that shows how that system works.
2: Sure. Yeah, that would be great. It's, it's one of those things that it sounds really cool to talk about, but, you know, seeing is believing and absolutely, you know, getting on a boat is something that just, you can't compare it to that. Everybody, once you get on a boat and you try it, um, it typically blows your mind if you've never driven a boat that has joystick before. And then as soon as you hop in the driver's seat, you get it for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, my joke's that uh, joysticks put all the captains out of business and that's why I had to move into sales. So. And it does. It's true. It um anybody can hop on a good and operate a joystick. Makes it a lot easier Literally. literally it is. And uh, I mean, hey, you know, if you can be not stress burning, then that's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk everything Mercury Marine today, Tyler. Um, super excited about this episode. If anybody knows me, they know that I bleed Mercury Red. Okay. I went up to Fond du Lac. I got the whole rundown from Robin Singer, the Merck Professor. And and I've been a fan ever since com- before coming into this industry. So just let's talk about Mercury a little bit. And of course, a big part of this podcast is the questions on the side, which there's already a ton of good questions coming in on YouTube and Facebook. So we'll get to those in a little bit. Um if you guys have any questions, you have all those mercury questions that Keith and I usually can't answer because, you know, hey, that, that's really not what we do. These are the questions right here, directly from the source, and let's uh, let's pit Tyler's brain a little bit. I know that's what we're gonna do, and you guys can join in. So, first of all, thanks for joining us, Tyler, and uh, and let's go boldly, baby. Right. Happy to
2: be here. Yeah.
1: But um first and foremost, let's um let's get to some questions here. And we've got some people joining us on YouTube. We got Brass Cats Boxing shouting us out. Love the boats you guys introduced, must love your jobs. I love my job. I'm sure, Tyler loves his job too. Can't beat mine. Um we got another one here, Brett Sawyer. How many units are being delivered to the UK in twenty twenty two? Assuming he's talking about Mercury engines. Is that anything that you have a pulse on, Tyler?
2: Uh, it's not something I can really comment on, but we're definitely working really hard to make sure that we're uh, keeping all of our customers as happy as possible. Um, we've had some really significant gains in our production capacity um, yeah. going back many months and and many months into the future. Um, so we're continuing to ramp up and and try to serve all of our markets as well as we can. Um, demand has just been even much more than that, but uh, we're definitely doing everything we can to to keep up for sure.
1: So one of the things I was going to ask about, of course, anybody that's been shopping for anything, not just boats, anything, period, of course, is aware of the supply chain delays, the supply chain challenges that have came across all industries. Of course, motors being such a big one as well. Of course, mergers with the majority of them, of course, being in Wisconsin yeah. are going to be able to get you. Have a little bit more control over that supply chain. I guess I can right. say, how are you guys? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Um, you're increasing production capacity, yeah. Yep. That alleviating some of that pressure on both. Yeah,
2: it, it's definitely trending in the right direction and getting better. And I was I was going to jump in there and say our our supply chain and procurement teams have been absolutely phenomenal with overcoming a lot of these challenges. Um, so it, it really has been more of an issue of you know, we're, we're increasing our capacity and our, our production and everything, but demand is just even more so um, increasing. So that's why we still have, you know, a relatively high number of back orders and things like that. But uh, yeah, I just want to tip my hat to our procurement and supply chain folks that they really have done an amazing job of overcoming a lot of the challenges on that side of the equation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Mercury's been pretty good. Uh, propellers have been a little bit tough, which I'm sure the demand's there too. Yeah, but the other manufacturers we deal with too. I mean, it's Mercury
0: is, in my opinion, is still way far ahead of the curve on what's you know the, the time
1: frame of getting stuff. Yeah, you know. yeah, I think so too. And I mean, we deal with both big brands of motors, and you know, we can tell you the pros and cons of each one. And I'd say Mercury. The, the thing that I love to say about Mercury, Tyler, when you're having a debate either way, we'll, we'll call it uh, Mercury versus Yamaha. Another thing that I think is exceptional about Mercury. They're putting out an industry leading product across the board, okay? And they are an exceptionally run company. And, and that's what I think a lot of people overlook is Mercury is a company standing behind their products, standing behind their customers, standing behind their employees, which I can get to in a minute as well. And talking about a, a well-run company, of course, with the whole Brunswick thing, that helps too, um, that I think the only thing as important as the product that a, that a company is putting out is the people standing behind it. And Mercury is a, a prime example of that uh, through and through.
2: Yeah, we've got a tremendous team here in Fond du Lac. Uh, That's where I'm based out of is our headquarters in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Um, And it's it's been really great to see everyone kind of come together and overcome some challenges that uh, seemed insurmountable at times over the last couple of years. So definitely a, a huge congratulations to our entire team here in Fond du Lac and around the world, frankly.
1: The thing I was telling everybody here before we get into more questions, before we went live, I was telling everybody when I went up to Fond du Lac which, of course, we're from Florida, so we're a little bit tan in December. We should we go up right before Christmas and uh, played with the played with the gray snow on the side of the road, had a little snowball fight, and uh, it was 25 degrees. And the Uber driver told us that we came up in a heat wave, which... Yeah, that's not too bad. <laughs> it, it's very, very cold for us, but we went into the plant and we on the first day we toured the main plant second day we toured the racing plant and then the propeller plant and there is a few things that stood out to me uh, about mercury in the town of fond du lac it's i mean you're on a production line you're in you're in the plant and on those production lines it's not just one of it is literally grandfathers or grandmothers sons daughters granddaughters grandson all working on the same line and in the loyalty and that says a lot about a company as well when you've got three generations all on the same line you go into any bar every single person either has well packers clothes on or mercury clothes <laughs> and it, and it's funny because mercury a funny little story here we were in a plant and it was almost all in december it was all female workers it was all female workers. And, and that's what Robin said, does, Hey, you notice that there's the majority of women working here. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Right. And he said, uh, yeah, cause all the guys are deer hunting this time of year. So <laughs> they, they weren't, they weren't in the plant.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it gets sometimes in that, uh, that late November, early December kind of time. But uh, yeah, Mercury is a huge part of the community. I'm, I'm originally from Iowa, so I didn't grow up around here. I've been up here about nine years now, but uh, moved up here specifically to work at Mercury. Um, Just wanted to search out a great position somewhere in the marine industry, and this is kind of where I landed. But I definitely noticed a lot of the same things that you did about just Mercury being so thoroughly ingrained in the community here and um, everybody having some sort of connection to Mercury that lives here.
0: So speaking of support for Mercury and stuff, I guess I like this, how this just went down. So Greg Boyko had a question that he put up on there about how to get about 400 outboard HP dimensional drawings from Mercury to use on their boats. And Mercury, boom, right away replied back to him, said, hey, reach out to us directly on our messenger thing, provide you with anything available that they can give them. So, I mean, that's that's great. Um got another question here it's not really a mercury one it appears but from ernie moyer he goes i own a 2020 vantage love it one issue the windlass the rope and chain get tangled then jam up in the well when dropping or picking the anchor is this something boston whaler is working on wouldn't a drum like hose reel work better yeah that's it's a, not a unique uh thing sometimes the kind- is
1: in general no matter what the boat is
0: right um the vantages though for sure the kind of snow coming up in there is you're you've got to kind of keep it's, it's like a yeah, it's kind of a delicate dance. You kind of you gotta keep enough pressure on that line when it's coming in. And then I mean if you're up there with the remote, you may kind of have to have a little hatch open and just kind of just you stop a little bit, smooth that out and so that way it has more room to drop down in there because. It's almost like the the well's not deep enough, and it starts stacking up instead of spreading out. But um, it's you're not alone in that, and I'm not sure what the actual fix is. But uh, you know, just kind of just gotta kind of do it yourself, I'd say. Unfortunately,
1: I got a good not just a mercury question, but a mercury steering question for you. We've got Christopher Arguello here that says. What are some situations one would reduce joystick power using the adjust button? So, if you can explain to us, we'll we'll, we'll do two parts here. One, joystick in particular. And then, two, a lot of people don't notice, but Skyhook has two modes as well to be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more light, where there's a plus and minus button right there beneath the Skyhook. So, what are some situations that that was basically designed for, Tyler? Um, Sure.
2: yeah. So if you look at the, the joystick, uh, like you're mentioning, there is a button that has a plus or a minus on it that we call the adjust button. It says adjust right there. Um, and what that is is two different uh, max RPM levels. And it's going to vary by boat. Uh, we have a different what we call a vessel personality per each boat hole. Um, so it's going to vary a little bit by boat. Uh, and, and that goes back to why we only offer it through the OEM channel right now. Um, but back to the the adjust situation, Um, What that's really intended for is, you know, naturally the plus is going to go a little bit higher and be a little bit more aggressive in RPM, and the the minus is going to be a little bit lower. Um, And maybe if you're not as familiar with the boat, um, not quite as comfortable with things just yet, you might want to stick in the the minus selection. Um, Or really, even if you are totally familiar with everything and familiar with how everything's going to react when you use the joystick, uh, etc., uh, you might want to stick in a that minus uh, setting if you're you know in a really tight space and you want to make sure you're doing kind of really feathering things and being really easy on the throttles and things like that. So you might want to stick in the in the minus section or the minus select uh, selection uh, in those situations. Um, the, the plus might be you know where a lot of people uh, stay a lot of the time uh, in general situations, but maybe if you're someone that usually is in the minus, you might want to bump up to that plus uh, on the adjust setting if you're maybe in an area with a little more current or a little more wind and that sort of thing.
0: Right, China? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so kind of what I found is with the outboards, I'll go ahead and leave it in the higher RPM range. You've also got the dock button on the side there too. It limits the limit right. RPM and stuff like that. So outboards, if you think about it, you got a smaller propeller. And you want to have higher RPMs, right? And so I leave it in the regular mode. Now, if I'm running a yacht that's got, you know, big props and diesel engines, I'll go ahead and put it in the dock mode because then I've got less torque and stuff. So you definitely slow that down. But but personal, I mean, my experience is with the outboards, let it roll. I don't even touch the thing. I just use it the way it is yeah. and yeah. let it do its thing.
2: Yeah, so another kind of note on that adjust button that ties into another one of our recent uh, product releases that we just came out with in Miami about a month ago. Um, so it's, it's an addition to our multi-engine uh, joystick piloting for outboards uh, where we're actually integrating with bow thrusters. So we're just calling it uh, JPO with bow thrusters. So it's really targeted at boats that are already installing, uh, of course, multiple outboards, our joystick piloting system and a bow thruster from either Vetus or Sleepner. Uh, Sleepner, previously known as Side Power, for for those that are familiar with that. No, no way. So basically, just taking those boats that are already installing those things and integrating the bow thruster in with our joystick system, um, so that you're not having to be working both our joystick and their their thruster control. Um, So just integrating those all together and then kind of tying back to that adjust button, if you're on a boat that does have the system we're talking about here that, again, was just launched about a month ago, um, the adjust button, if you're in the plus, then it is going to tie in that bow thruster. uh, And if you go to the minus, then it it won't pull in the usage of the bow thruster. Mm -hmm. So that's how that'll be going forward on boats that that, uh, have that bow thruster option.
0: Learn something from Mercury all the time. So yeah. yeah, I had no idea. That's
2: cool. Yeah, it's a really fresh one. It uh, was announced about a month ago, and it's going to start shipping in just a couple weeks here at the same time as when that uh, that joystick system for uh, pontoons is going to start shipping as well at the beginning of April.
0: Well, it makes sense. So, I mean, you think about it, you know, like when you're backing up into a slip, you know, I'll turn around, put the joystick in my left hand. So now you're visually, you can see your slip. as you're backing in, you can see what's going on. If You did have a secondary thruster, you know, then you got to kind of turn around, look back, feel back, and feel where the toggle switch is to be able to, to move your bow around. Now, if it's all integrated together, it's just all going to work right. To to yeah, yeah and
2: a- another little wrinkle there since you mentioned backing into a slip, Keith is um kind of separate from the bow thruster piece, but just another little um little item that we added in at the same time. Uh, We don't really have a fancy name for it, but internally we kind of refer to it as closed loop control, where if you're backing straight into a slip and maybe a current or a wind is trying to push your bow one way or the other, um, the boat will actually sense that and and activate the thrust or however it needs to to keep your uh, your vessel straight.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Another similar thing that's part of that same uh, closed loop technology is uh, if you're, say, you're spinning the boat, rotating the boat one way or the other, and you let go of the joystick, it'll actually kick that thruster on the opposite direction for up to five seconds um, to basically just park the boat right where it was when you let go of the the joystick instead of continuing to drift, which is something that some people maybe that, you know, if you're a totally experienced captain the first time or two, if you're not expecting it, it might freak you out a little bit. But once you know it's there, people have really, really uh, appreciated that. So this coming out now? Yep. So again, that's actually tied in as part of that uh, joystick piloting with bow thruster system. That's going to okay. start shipping in just a couple of weeks.
1: Cool. That is cool. We got another question from Chris. Um, while we got him on here, and we're answering his last question. So Chris on YouTube, he owns a 350 outrage, triple 300 Verados. He says, question on engine flushing. Engine flushing. If you're boating for several days in a row. Do you recommend flushing after each use or can you wait until the last boating session?
2: Yeah, so that's going to be dependent on if you're running in fresh water or salt water. If you're boating in salt water, you ideally do want to flush it after each day of use Uh, in fresh water. Unless you're running in, you know, extremely muddy or silty or dirty waters, then you generally don't need to do it that often. Uh, But if you're in salt water, then, yeah, you, you really do want to flush after every day.
1: And while we're on engine flushing, I have a question that I've heard different things too. Of course, in the old days of two-stroke engines, you put the earmuffs on, you run the engine, you smoke all your neighbors out, you make them angry at 11 o'clock at night. But let's talk about flushing these new four-strokes. A couple different things. One, do you need to run them while you flush them?
2: Nope. So, um, the kind of the different thing on the four strokes that you've noticed, I'm sure is instead of having to put the earmuffs on, they've got a nice little, they call it a freshwater flush valve where, I mean, it's, it's super simple. You just unscrew it. I think it's a half turn or maybe it's a full turn off of the side of the cowl. And then there's a cap that comes off and you can just hook your garden hose right up to that.
1: And Is is it recommended to do it while the engine's still hot or does it not matter? So like, let's say you get back into boat ramp, you've been running a boat all day, everything is still hot. Is it best to flush it now or is it going to hurt anything if you might have an hour or two trailer ride home, flush it out then?
2: I wouldn't think that would be an issue. I'd probably refer to or, or defer to our service guys to see if they had an opinion on that. Um, I wouldn't think anything is going to, Be an issue in an hour or two trailer ride, but uh, that that would be
0: something I would probably defer to our service guys to get our official stance on that. One thing I will tell you I mean, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, but when our guys are rigging the boats, I already
1: know what you're going to say the the white motors where you can't get the cap off. Yeah,
0: Yeah. we've got to go in on each one of them and kind of sand down or file down like the rubber cap or the plastic cap piece a little bit those things are in I don't know if it's the, the thickness of the paint or what it is the the black cow boards the hose will pop right out every time if it's the white cowling it's you can't pull that thing out of there until you you've kind of fine tuned it a little bit and that's on that's on everybody right? every yeah. single I one you walk, out, you walk out in the plant and you go to a white one it's gonna be stuck in there. Well
2: really? I had not heard that that's interesting. So
0: just I mean yeah just dawned on I me mean, we will talking to you
1: Somebody down the line can sure. use it. So, yeah, we, we experience the same thing. Yeah. So looks like we got to all the YouTube questions. Maybe we have some Facebook ones. I've got a lot of good questions myself. So we're going to be here for a couple hours, guys. <laughs> right, Keith? <laughs> and um, Tyler, hopefully you don't have anything going on this afternoon. And, uh, and uh, dinner will be provided. So <laughs> I'm kidding. But um, really quick, a few things that I want to dive into is, first of all, have you, 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 you can say, okay. Have you been to Lake X? I
2: I have once, uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, last
1: February. Is it awesome?
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Just, uh, have you been there by chance?
1: No, we haven't. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I was there.
2: I was fortunate yeah. enough to get a chance to go there about a year ago, and I think I'll probably be back later this year. But um, just uh, approaching the property is, is cool in itself because it's kind of tucked back in kind of a cypress swampy kind of area. And um, you go through this little road that's it's almost like a tunnel of, sw- of uh, cypress trees um, over the road. So it's kind of got just that feel to it driving in there. And then there's, you know, a little Tiny little old guard shack, and you know you check in there, and then uh, next thing you know, you're back at uh, kind of the main main property, I guess, at the main building there. And um, of course, you got the tower that just has that kind of legendary sort of feel to it. And um, I was actually there a couple of times at night uh, when I was there a year ago. We had some different events going on for our V12 launch, and we did uh, did some things at night, and they had it all lit up for that. So um, that was was definitely a little bit surreal feeling um, which I'm, I'm not that old I guess but I do remember uh, when I was a kid seeing the uh, the commercials they would have of um, doing uh, doing boat racing and stuff like that at night at Lake X uh, that they would play on Saturday mornings when you're watching you know Bill dance and Jimmy Houston and things like that so definitely a, a pretty cool experience I would love to
1: get. Not, not just anybody can go, because I've tried getting in there. I can't go. Um, <laughs> super tough people. Don't, don't keep try keep to after them. Yeah, I guess don't try to sneak in. They got alligators protecting the place or something. <laughs> so they say. We got another good question here from Chris. One, mo- one more notice Marine Max guy said to cap question of white 300. it's possible to turn them with the flush. I'll try <laughs> to, it off to make it easier to turn. Um, so yeah, we already addressed that but uh, definitely good feedback. Mercury's going to look into that as well. Let's talk about a big reveal down at the Miami Boat Show last year. here? Let's talk about yeah. the Avator electric outboard concept. Of course, right now we are in such a exciting horsepower race, like some sort of muscle car, whatever, of the 70s. Or whatever that was. I don't know. Before
0: you were born. Before
1: I was <laughs> born. And we're seeing the same thing in outboard engines. It's like, boom. It, like Yamaha came out with a V8 350. And I was like, wow, look at that engine, offshore power, baby. baby. Mercury comes out with a supercharged Verado. They come out with a 350, 400. Yamaha comes out with a 425 big boat engine. And then Mercury comes along with a V12 dual prop. 600 horsepower monster for these 50 foot plus outboard powered center consoles. And it it's almost like you're seeing that start to taper off, even though I could be completely wrong. And then, boom, electric power comes into play, which of course I'm sure Mercury is not going to be late to that party at all. So let's talk about that reveal down in Miami with the electric outboard concept.
2: Yeah, so a lot of things going on at both ends of the spectrum to your point. Um, So first, first of all, I mean, you know, gas outboards aren't going away, so let's not have anybody get too excited uh, about that. Uh, It's going to be a long time before that happens. Um, But it is just a concept at this point. It's, uh, you know, it's still in development, so we don't really have a lot of specifics about, horsepower or specs or anything like that, or even uh, particulars on when it'll be available. But uh, what we have committed to as a company is just that we will have uh, five different electric models um, released by the end of 2023. So um, Avatar is just uh, kind of the introduction to that, kind of just a sneak peek at kind of what we're working on and kind of the direction we're going uh, when it does come to electric propulsion. But um, that's kind of where we're at with things right now.
1: While we're on the topic of innovation, I know we hit on the 600s a little bit. We hit on the joystick a lot. Let's specifically talk about the most recent or one of the most recent releases from Mercury is the 600s, right? A lot of innovation in that engine. We're talking the hood, two-speed transmission, dual prop, and, of course, probably the most unique is the actual powerhead not moving. Yep. A lot lot of people are like, oh, what's the point of that? Whatever. Oh, there's a lot of moving parts underwater. It's nothing new. Okay, Zeus did it forever. And a big part of that is maneuverability, too. So let's talk about the joystick controls in these multi-engine, 600 horsepower, or multi-engine, big, large boats. You're talking dual props, moving all that water around, close together for maneuverability. They're going to move... I don't know how many degrees more than a standard outboard would. So let's talk about close quarter maneuvering, joystick controls with the 600 V12s.
2: Yep. So the the dual prop outboard uh, side of that definitely has a huge impact on your low, low speed maneuverability. Um, but the bigger one, or at least I think, and it sounds like you agree, is um, that steerable gear case, as we call it. Um, totally unique. Nobody else has anything like it, uh, not even close. And really there's kind of two big benefits to that as I see it. And one of them, again, is the low speed kind of joystick control. Um, So typically you'd have a 30 degree steering uh, radius in either direction on a typical steered outboard. Um, However, with the V12, with that steerable gear case, uh, we are able to actually go out to up to 45 degrees um, on the outer engines for multi-engine boats. So between the dual prop and that 45-degree steering angle, you can move a really big boat um, a lot easier than you would ever think um, with a joystick. The other benefit to that steerable gear case when you're at speed and you're up on plane and, and moving at a pretty good pace is since you don't have that engine moving back and forth when you're steering, um, you know the V12, depending on which model uh, you're talking about, is between 12 and 1,300 pounds. Um, it's actually a really good power to weight ratio, but it's, it's still 12 or 1300 pounds per engine, right? So, um are yeah, well on the, side side the back of your boat
1: probably compared to, you know, right. going triple 600s versus
2: quad 400s. That, that too. Um, but having that steerable gear case so that the entire engine isn't moving back and forth really makes a huge impact on your handling uh, when you go into a turn. You really notice that it really makes a bigger heavier boat feel a lot more sporty than it otherwise would be because of the fact that you don't have that weight shifting back and forth.
0: I haven't driven a
1: boat with six hundred yet. You, you drove, did you drive the 405 to Adam? Nope. It's got to be a little strange to get used to it first and uh, looking back on a hard turn and seeing the engine still straight. Still <laughs> still <on> straight. Yeah. <laughs> going around, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's coming, but nothing can really quite prepare you for that. The first time you pull away from the dock for sure. Just
0: look forward. Don't pay attention to what's going on back there and then backing up. But you have rudder
1: indicators on the 600s,
0: right? You don't have to.
2: Um, Most boats will um, because we do have uh, a vessel view on most V12 boats, a vessel view five inch or above, uh, which if you have the sensor for it, will show you a rudder indication. Um, But but to Keith's point, a lot of people – aren't necessarily looking back there they're just you know using the joystick or doing whatever they're doing and trusting that everything's supposed to be happening or every, that everything is happening as it's supposed to at the back of the boat
0: yeah i'll get on one soon so we got we got a few around here that have delivered that come come around and basically gone straight to the client's house and stuff like that i've seen them down at your store
1: where they were doing a service on it and stuff like that 600s so I mean, yeah
0: yeah
1: I've, I've seen quite a few of them i've played around with them. I haven't driven one yet. Yeah. I haven't even been on a with 450R shit. Yeah.
0: Those are, those are nice too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got a good question here from Michael Torchio on um, YouTube. Having a silver paint issue with twin 300 Verado 2020s. With 42 hours on and paint is peeling, what can be done? So I'm assuming he's talking about the lower unit. Are you are you familiar with that at all?
2: Yeah, that's not really an area that I can really speak to a whole lot, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. We'll have Mercury reach out, Michael, but yeah. thanks for the question anyways. Um, what do you got? Did you anything good on Facebook? No, we just had uh,
0: Mercury took care of the, the last one. Um, Brandon said he had the same issue with the black one. So, yeah, any of you guys that are just with the flush caps, if they're really, really tight, you can just kind of file it down just a little bit. And- It'll slide in and out of there a little bit easier. If your hands are dry, you know, you might pull it out, but you know, typically you're on the boat, you're dealing with the hose and all that stuff. Once your hands get wet, it just, they just, they slide off of there. So a little tweaking.
1: So, took care of that. We got a question that came in from the text line over here. It says, What can we expect to see released at the next big boat show? Any cool new projects? Well, I, I can tell you you're asking the wrong company that because Mercury is historically tight lip. We can tell you, but we'll have to kill you. All of that stuff. Um, so of course I know that we probably can't talk about that. Can you at least give us a code name? Okay. Like an operation bull shark and operation. (laughs) Yes. I know what that means.
2: Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll probably get myself in trouble if I do that too. Well, the only thing I can confirm is that we're always working on something. There's always something in the pipeline uh, that's going to, you know, turn some heads at the next boat show and that sort of thing. But I really can't go into any other specifics beyond that, which it sounds like you're very familiar with.
1: (laughs) I thought that was so cool up in Fond du Lac at the Mercury plant. Nobody's calling a V8 Verado a V8 Verado. Nobody's calling an L6-400 and L6-400. They're calling, um, what is a 400, a great white, right?
2: uh no uh great white was uh the 250 300 verados the
1: 250 300s so yeah. the the bull shark the 400
2: the yeah the l6 uh 350 400 was bull shark that's correct
1: and then 600s are stingray operation stingray right yep yep now when you're up there they're not seriously right. they're they're calling them all these different things and it's like the heck is the bull shark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it's the engine. They say they've got different yeah. code names for everything. Yeah, it's, and up there and stuff. it's
2: funny when you're talking about something that was released, you know, 10 plus years ago and people are still using, you
1: know, the code names. Right? <laughs> you know what my favorite one of those code names are? What's that? 150 four cylinder Operation Ben Rock. And I think that is so important for Mercury over their progression right because we're talking yeah. back in the day tower of power right mercury's fast you've got your omc's reliable big engine company mercury's performance fast racing okay right. mercury comes back with their 150 which is the most reliable outboard engine ever made okay there's a lot of great arguments to be made there between charter guys uh, tour boats putting five, six, seven, eight thousand hours on these engines. Mercury came back to us and said, Hey, all right, that's cool. We can do the performance, but we're going to lay that bedrock. We're going to lay that foundation for a true leader and reliability as well. And that's exactly what they did with the 150. And, and that was such a shift for Mercury. Um, I can't tell you the amount of confidence I have every single time a V8 300 shows up right out of the box or, or an L6 400 no matter what the engine is years and years and years down the road and it all started with that 150 and and that's exactly what they did they established hey we're here we're reliable and um yeah i mean that's why i think that the operation bedrock was so cool yeah yeah
2: Yeah, that was definitely an appropriate name for that one because to your point everything since then has kind of really followed some of the same philosophies and some of the same geometries within the engine and that sort of thing were, were applicable, of course. But that really was, like, like you said, kind of the starting point of really going through a lot of the different changes that we've gone through and innovations that we've gone through over the last um, 10 years or so. Basically, I believe uh, Bedrock or, or the 150 came out in 2011, which was uh, about a year and a half before I started here. But uh, it's really been a transformational decade for us. And
1: you're still calling it Operation Bedrock, huh?
2: Some people, yeah, you'll, you still hear it thrown around for sure, yeah.
0: So Just make sure you do your annual maintenances, you know, 100 hours or annually, whichever comes first. Treat the motor right and she'll last you a lifetime, you know, long, long, long time. Oh, motor. yeah,
1: I mean, it, it, it truly is on maintenance, too. I mean, it, it, it would not concern me at all. Some people say, like, on the sales side, they're saying what, what's a lot of hours on a boot? What's what's high hours? What should I consider high? And that that is such a relative question because for me, I'd rather have an engine with a thousand well maintained hours than one that sat in a garage for twenty hours over the past seven eight years. Yep. I mean, a thousand hours, twelve hundred hours does not scare me on one of these new engines, not at all.
0: You know, or somebody you know didn't flush it, didn't take care of it, didn't do the services, and and, and you run into all that. So, you know. Pay attention to your maintenance schedule. Marine Max on new boats now offers a prepaid maintenance plan. So your annual services going forward, you can do all that when you sit down at the, when you're buying your boat and you're closing on your boat and going through all that, you can tie all that in together. And so then a year from now, you're not having to worry about, okay, oh gosh, okay. Now I got to go take it in. I got to pay for this. You've already done all that. And it's, it's just no worry, no nothing.
1: And you're ready to go. Also, auction the lever price too, which no, yeah. which is of course ever changing as well. No. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's, what's a good question? What's a good question? Oh, I got one for you here. Maybe, maybe you can answer this for me. So, outboard engine flushing the engine. Okay, is it true? And I'm no tech. Is it true that when you hook the flush adapter up to the hose and you run it? it's not actually like to run it on the hose for instance if you're going to run an engine while it's hooked up to the hose is it bad to do that while it's hooked up to the adapter or do you want it actually on that water pump down below in the lower unit like outside the water.
2: i've always known it to be that if you want if you want to be running the engine for a while you need to put them off sun
0: mm-hmm. And you've also got to cover up or get the additional on um, because you've got the on the bullet, you got the water intake down on there. So there's another mercury cells that there's another cap that'll go on there. You can hook a water hose up to that too. Not alone, not alone, just like the little gill slits on the side, but you got the pickup down below. But so if you're just trying to flush it on the ones on the side, you're going to be sucking air up in through the, the head of the bullet where the pickups are down low. So you've got you to gotta be careful with that. So if you look in your owner's manual, it's going to tell you, hook the hose up to it, put the water on, forget about it, let it go for 10 minutes, don't start it, you don't do anything, push the water through it.
2: And, and a lot of our newer engines too, and by newer I mean even in the last, I'll say eight years, uh, as far as new engines we've launched in the last eight years or so, a lot of them we've got, uh, if you pop the the cowl off, There's there'll be a a little QR code there that you can scan with your with your smartphone and it'll take you to three or four or five, you know, easy maintenance videos that touch on things like that. You know, we call that freshwater flush Um, and you can just scan that. and It'll take you to a little two minute video on a lot of these newer engines. uh, Take you take you right through how to do
0: all that stuff. Thank you for that info. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, and 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 for all the new voters watching, I know it might be a little intimidating by us talking about all this tech talk and stuff like that, but Keith and I are, we're we're no outboard mechanics, or at least I'm not. I mean, Keith was I'm not But the more you do it, the more it's easy to learn. It's such a car-like experience nowadays. You're not mixing gas and oil. No, you're not gonna mess up the engine. Just put it in the water, turn it on, stream comes out, you're good to go. Um I mean, hey, I'm I I take my car to the mechanic when the blinker fluid's low, right? I'm not I'm not mechanically inclined whatsoever, but you just learn that stuff, you know, with the flush adapters, and of course, it's such a car-like experience nowadays that Mercury's done such a good job with, as far as just turn the key and go. Your vessel, your vessel view is going to tell you anything that's wrong with the engine. If there ever is anything wrong, it'll go into guardian mode, so you know you're not going to. Load up. It'll reduce the RPMs if it needs to. So I, I know that there's a lot of fear there, but I think that that fear definitely has become more and more irrational over the past decade or so.
2: Yeah, VesselView Mobile is something that is awesome bang for the buck, especially if you um, don't have SmartCraft gauges or VesselView, uh, the full MFD on your boat. Uh, it's just a super easy, I mean, literally a 10 second install it's a
1: module
2: um, right? what's that
1: it's just a little module
2: yeah you just plug that in either either under your dash or under the cowl of the engine uh, and then download an app for free on your phone um, called the mercury vessel mobile app uh, and then you just link the two together and um, i mean you can get so much information off of that uh, that little module and an app um, so much digital data about your engine and basically how everything's doing with it and all sorts of different maintenance reminders. You can, to your point, Keith, about about doing your maintenance, your one-year, 100-hour maintenance intervals and your three-year, 300-hour maintenance intervals, it'll actually keep track of all that stuff for you. So, you know, spark plugs, for example, a three-year, three 300-hour item, uh, it'll tell you when, you know, you got 50 hours left to go until you need to do that. And then if you go either do that yourself or have it done by someone, uh, you can start that clock back over at, at 300 hours and it will keep track of all that stuff for you and all those different items. Yep. So it's a really a big hit too with the bass boat crowd um, or, or really anyone that's really dialing uh, their prop and um, performance from a propping standpoint. Um, you can get a lot of, like I said, good digital data. You can do a zero to 20 timer and all these sorts of different mm-hmm. things if you're really getting uh, particular and specific on your propping and your, your boat setup to really ring the ring, the most performance out of your boat.
1: Yeah. So while we're on the topic, we were talking about this a lot earlier and I promise we would get back to it. I know that we've got a few minutes left here. Undisputed. You guys, if anybody wants to argue this, go ahead. Mercury makes the best outboard propellers in the world. It is it is, I think, known across the industry. And let's talk about somebody that has a non-mercury engine. And can you put a mercury propeller on another brand outboard?
2: Absolutely. How do you uh,
1: do that and what are the advantages to a mercury prop?
2: Yep. So so first of all, we are the only uh engine, outboard engine manufacturer that makes our own propellers. Um other brands have their own branded propellers, but they're not making them themselves.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So we, we definitely put way more effort uh, and resources into really perfecting propellers. Essentially, we've got a full line of propellers for really any situation you can think of. Uh, We're constantly tweaking it to make sure we've got the right, uh, the right selection of different pitches and all those sorts of different good things. Um, But yes, you absolutely can put mercury propellers on competitive outboard engines. Um, It's just a matter of pairing it up with the correct hub kit um, to marry up the prop with that uh, prop shaft, essentially on on other brands of outboard. Yeah, I've
1: got a three-blade Yamaha prop on a Yamaha 300, and and, um, the top end's there, the whole shot's not there, so I'm thinking about switching to a four-blade, and I think I'm going to go with a rev four. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, that's a really solid pick um, for sure. It's it's just really definitely the case where you see a lot of Yamaha and other, other brands of outboard running a Mercury propeller because we really do have the most kind of fine-tuned um, and specifically engineered propellers um, for really any any engine and boat setup, or any any type of driving conti- condition out there, so you do see that a lot for sure. Where you have a Yamaha with a with a Mercury propeller, you don't really ever see it the other way around. So if that yeah. you, if that that's tells you anything, um, that's kind of that's the reality of it.
1: That's a really good point. Absolutely. So we're approaching four o'clock here, and we're going to start closing out. Um, of course. If you guys have any questions and you could not make it to the live stream today, we will get to these. We'll shoot them to Tyler as well. Any good Mercury questions or boating questions in general, Keith and I do comb through these before the next week's episode, next month's episode, and I get I get so fired up. There's a couple guests or a couple different companies that we have on. Uh, Ray Marines, one of them. Marine Max Vacations is one of them. And whenever I see Mercury on the schedule. I mean, I go to bed early tonight. I before. <laughs> 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 My Cheerios. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world because if you're talking to Mercury Marine, you know you're, you're going to learn something. And we both keep in stuff every single time. Every single time with Mercury, So that was cool. And uh, of course, we always appreciate the guests on the show from such a reputable company. I know I keep talking about it, but we do appreciate you hopping on and, and talking. Thanks talking for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tyler. Look forward
2: to meeting you in person. So Absolutely. To do that. Maybe even at Lake X. We'll see. Yes, <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> I don't know, you know, know if I can make that long happen, long but I'll keep long. my
1: fingers crossed. <laughs> and, of course, you can find these episodes to download on your car ride to or from work or whatever on Spotify, iHeartRadio.
0: Amazon Music, YouTube, Apple, Apple
1: Podcasts. Whatever right. it is, we're there. And... Until next time, remember, this is burning Tips Live, Mercury Marine. Go boldly, baby. Go boldly. See ya. Been waiting the whole episode right. to say that. <laughs> <laughs>